As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Reggae Lover Podcast. It's Khalil Wanda from Highlander Sound here. Reggae Lover Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode Big up to the Nice Up Radio family. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Agard, out of Brooklyn, New York. What up, man? What up, what up? Chilling, man. Warm weather out here. Yeah, that's what's up, man. It's springtime. It's March right now, coming up to March Madness. You know what I mean? Basketball lovers, you know, it's your time of year right now. March is known as Women's Month, International Women's History Month. And, you know, it was International Women's Day and all that last week. So... Definitely want to big up and shout out to all the empresses, all the queens, all the moms, all the wives, all the sisters. You know what I'm saying? Big up yourself. Definitely, definitely. Big up all the women out there. Yeah, man. So this week, of course, we have the second part of our interview with the CEO and founder of the Jamaica Music Conference, Kwasi Bansu. So stay tuned for that. But along the lines of Women's History Month, Definitely want to send some a shout out to Sister Janine. She performed in Kenya like a week after Buju Banton's big Kenya show out there. And then I just saw that she's going to be doing back-to-back shows in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. So definitely big up to Janine on the movements right now, taking it to the motherland. And you know what I mean? Bringing the, the real roots reggae music, bringing the vibe directly to the people on the ground in the continent that's 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 major yeah man big up john nine always always out there doing the works and we're gonna talk a little bit more about africa uh later in this show and the whole reggae movement you know i'm saying as it pertains uh to just globally around the diaspora but but specifically within africa i know you had a, a tastemaker item that you wanted to bring up yeah man there's a very very important video circulating around the um internet right now um basically you know bbc one extra every year they do uh, a few different trips to jamaica but especially around this time 
you know, you have uh, DJs like Shawnee B. I know Radigan sometimes goes down there. But yeah, there's a really, really crucial video. In the video, you have Leela IK, you have Savannah, you have Naomi Cohen, Jazz Elise. And um, basically, yo, shout out to Reggae Music Forever for sharing it. And um, it's also on other areas of the internet. Basically, the BBC One Extra had a special feature with them. And it's about. I'll say, I don't know, I think it's like a 10, 15 minute video where they're just singing and they have like a crucial band backing them. And it's one of the most beautiful things that I've seen in a long time on social media or the internet. Like seriously, it was just amazing. Like at certain points, it's like, damn, you know, I, I believe that the future is certified. The future is good with these young ladies because they were doing, you know, not only their own songs, but they were giving tribute to like people like Dennis Brown and Barris Hammond. And the the chemistry was just amazing with the band. It was just, I, I can't even describe it. I want everybody to go check it out. Is that the same uh, video where they also um, took a turn playing instruments as well? No, nah, it's a different one. That one actually came out. It's a different one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one came out last week and I didn't really get a chance to check out that one. But this one, they're literally they're just holding the mic and they have a band backing them. And it's like okay. one of the sweetest things. I mean, the setting is amazing. They're on like a balcony somewhere in Jamaica overlooking the water with the sun behind them. It's like it's it's the most Jamaican thing you can see, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's ridiculous, and the sounds coming out of their 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 you know vocals are ridiculous. The way that they go back and forth with each other, they're harmonizing, you know, with each other. It's it's ridiculous. I I, I love it a lot. So I'll definitely check that one. I, I haven't listened to it with the sound on, though I've seen it being shared a lot. And um, but the one that I was referring to that you said was the week prior it's with the same four you know naomi leela um jazzalise and savannah and they're each playing instruments so leela is strumming the guitar i believe um naomi's on keyboard and then the other two everybody has an instrument and they're all playing a rhythm and taking turns singing as well being referred to as the rock and groove band and you know they're are the featured artists on the Rock and Groove Rhythm from Indignation Collective. So these are the artists that Protégé is grooming right now and supporting and introducing to the world. Definitely want to give Protégé all the props and all the credit, you know, um, his whole team. And of course, the ladies representing, that's how it should be done. And just showing that Caribbean women, Black women, women in general can work together in unison with no animosity and with good chemistry and good vibes it's just um it's a very good look yeah man definitely check it out now we are gonna talk song clash for a little bit and then we're gonna jump into the main segment we had a few different clashes over the past couple weeks i think the major the most the biggest one being the one in antigua yeah definitely I saw a video from that uh Jimmy Spliff was sharing on Instagram. That's how you know, I didn't I didn't I wasn't aware of the clash beforehand, 
But when I saw Jimmy Split's video, you know what I'm saying? I was turned to social media to see what was going on. And, uh, you know, since then, the audio has come out. You know, congratulations to Emperor Sound from Japan, who it looks like they took home the, the trophy. Not to be uh, confused with Emperor from Washington, D.C., who also recently clashed. There's five songs on the lineup. The Emperor from Japan. You had King... King Altitude. King, I was about to say alignment. <laughs> King Altitude from Antigua. Um, Real Sound Reloaded from Antigua. And Cannabis Sound from Antigua slash Montserrat. And also Little Sample from London. Yeah, man. Very interesting clash. I didn't get to finish it, but, you know, it was very, very interesting. Yeah, man. I checked out most of the you know, the, 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 the preliminary rounds, the elimination part. And I got to say, you know, it was a very entertaining clash in my estimation, because even at the sounds that were getting eliminated, weren't like horrible. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, especially when little sample had to take, you know, the L, you know what I'm saying? Like that round that they played was their best round of the dance. Right. At, up until that part, up until that point to me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They definitely got outplayed. Like, they, they had a very slow start. I don't know why. It took them so long to really get into gear. It seemed like that final round where they got eliminated, you know, they finally got some traction going and were able to get some forwards. But, you know, it was too little too late. Right. And, um, yeah, big up to the Antigua, you know, Cannabis and, and, and Real Sound Reloaded. Excellent job. You know, I got to finish listening to that. You know, definitely visit the Heckler's Phoenix SoundCloud page where the audio is posted up. And you can check out that dance. And um, I would say little sample. I think what it was is the round previous to that round, you know, they were playing a lot of dubs, decent dubs, but they weren't really addressing the clash of the crowd. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those, you know, touch and go, you know, releasing dubs, releasing dubs, but they weren't really saying anything. And I think what saved them that previous round was that there was a sound that actually played, you know, worse than that. <laughs> so to speak right yeah i just i'm a, very impressed by antigua you know listening to the dance in between the rounds as they bigged up the sponsors you know i heard about 10 at least 10 different sponsors called i don't know if these are real actual like monetary sponsors <laughs> but what what i like about it is that you know obviously to do a clash like that you find somebody from japan or a team from japan and a team flying from london you know what i mean it's very expensive and so they're able to gather a large crowd they're able to you know have a professional competition with top-notch sounds from around the world looking it seems like they have corporate sponsorship or local sponsorship to offset the cost but at the same time they're not bound to any rules that normally, you know, come with like the corporate clash situation where, you know, it's no no cursing or no this, no that. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Um, big up to Antigua and definitely big up to Guyana, who that's uh, emerging as another clash capital uh, recently. And I noticed with Guyana, it's a similar thing. Last year uh, in Guyana, I think it was Banks Beer who sponsored it and there was like no cursing and that stuff. I feel like this year they sponsored it as well, but anything went. Yeah. They eased up on it a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So big up to Antigua and big up to Guyana. Cause I mean, the Antigua sounds, you know, definitely went 
um, and represented in, in Guyana. And, you know, I, I want to see some more of those Guyanese sounds going to Antigua and representing as well. Yeah, man. Shout out. Um, also. No, yeah. I was going to say shout out to Trinity. Big up Trinity, of course. Um, shouts out to Snow White, Mr. Cool and the Snow White crew who clashed against Emperor in D.C. and gave them a, a seat aboard casket. <laughs> I guess I should have continued to listen to that. I wasn't unable to finish it. You know, I had some things going on this weekend. Yeah, no, that dance was a pr- very good dance as well. You know, I think that Snow White really played well in that, you know, the early rounds, They you could tell they were just feeling out the crowd and, you know what I mean, kind of getting their bearings, being the New Jersey sound that traveled to D.C. to face off against the hometown sound. Mm-hmm. But once they got past the first couple of rounds, Mr. Cool just went into a completely different gear and he was just relaxed. You know, it was not that regular Russian like format that we normally hear in clashes now. You know, he was more like it was more like almost like a panther, you know what I'm saying, type of performance where he was just overconfident and just funny and you know what I mean? The crowd was just eating it up. The crowd was just going with, with everything that they were doing. So, you know, not to give it too much away. Um, since you haven't checked out the dance, but yeah, that's what you'll want to look forward to just hearing those late, those final rounds where they sealed the lock off. Yeah. Which is surprising to me because like you said, in the first couple rounds, I listened to the first couple rounds and it seemed like emperor was going to run away with the dance because emperor was playing like the newer set of tunes and they had the hometown advantage and these things. But yeah, I guess I'm going to check out the rest of the dance because I didn't expect you to say what you just said <laughs> based on the first. Yeah. And rounds. you know, that's, and that's also an observation I had. It was that emperor spent a lot of money, bro. Like they definitely, you could tell they spent a lot of money. Like they had new buju, but how are you going to play new buju and don't get no forward? You know, they were playing all this six and all this stuff and expecting that these tunes would, you know, just give them the advantage. Yeah. When, you know, what Snow White did was at a certain point, they were like, you know, we're not playing no cartel yet. They started going back for like those, you know, like the, like the black cartel. And they got some big tunes, yo, on some big rhythms that it just brought a completely fresh, different vibe to the party. And it kind of made you see that, like, okay, yeah, the six is hot and everything, but real talk, nothing trumps cartel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yo, you can't really go around a well, well-voiced vibes cartel segment. So Emperor, you know, you guys cut a lot of songs, but... There's more to it that, that goes into it Washington, than that. Emperor. Washington, D.C. Emperor. Washington, D.C. Emperor. Because Japanese Emperor also have a lot of tunes. They had, they had a lot of customs, too. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what that's what you expect from the, from the Japanese. But the, really, for me, the impressive thing was the personality and the speech from the Emperor Selector. And, you know, it was understandable. Yeah, man. He had, <laughs> I heard one round where he was... It was like the the first part of the round was just to refute the whole karate thing. (laughs) 
Right. You know, the, the custom with, uh, you know what I'm saying, when it said he doesn't, you know, they don't eat, uh, what is it, plastic rice? They had a lot of tunes ready to defend that speech. So it's like they're just waiting for you to draw that card. Exactly. Because, I mean, it's it's predictable. It's predictable. Like, every single sound that clashes Japanese somehow, like, compare them to Chinese, and then they'd use the eating dog thing and the plastic rice thing and karate thing. You know, it's... Coronavirus in this one. That was just hilarious. Like, there's all these coronaviruses mentioned in multiple dubs. So it's like, yo, these guys prepared specifically in real time (laughs) for this dance. Selectors had Lysol... And then, yeah, the Japanese, like, his vocabulary was a little bit above and beyond what you would normally hear from Japanese MCs, yo. Like, I can't remember what word it was that I heard him use, <laughs> but when he said it, I was like, yo, this <laughs> it's no normal be like, seriously? That's our rant on SoundClash. You could tell what we're excited about. You know, definitely <laughs> looking forward to uh, some other big dances coming up in April, um, such as the World Clash. Uh, also, what is it? Soul Supreme versus Innocent. Correct. Both in, I think it's the same weekend in April. That may very well be uh, a Sound Clash show coming up next yeah, month. Man. So, <laughs> and yo, honorable mention. Speaking of Florida, um, Silver Star. I didn't listen to the end of that. Cla- I don't know if you got to check it out either. Yo, I tried to listen to that a couple of times, man. You know, I know I know you seem to be impressed with some things and you know, I, I had uh put that one on, on a on a road trip. I was That's <laughs> I was one of those ones like a, that I'm gonna request. Four hour drive and uh it was probably not the best thing to start listening to, you know? So that's probably one of the clashes where I would request for Drew to just put on the uh, Silver Star part. Silver Star, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Silver Star, because they're apparently, I mean, I don't know of of them very well, but apparently they're a sound from Brooklyn that was around, you know, around long enough to be able to cut Dennis Brown and and, uh, uh, Nicodemus and those artists, so... Yo, they played a Nicodemus forty five. Speaking of that, but anyhow. <laughs> All right, one 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 flew by me. All right. <laughs> yeah, man, but they had some crazy rhythms. I like some of the segments they played. You know, definitely I'll just say that. Yeah, Brooklyn sounds. What up, Mequiguan? Get into the show, brethren. Yeah, man. Part two, the second part, Deuce. So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. I tell you what, I was listening to an audiobook about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm-hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Stephens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole film crews that were down filming him you know all the members of the whalers he's having these conversations in these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows he put all this information into a book what's so great about it is it it just immerses you into the experience quoting pita bunny the incidents happened with bob getting shot the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage and so you really get the excitement the energy 
of what is going on. That book right there, I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover, and there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things, but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car. If I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley. So last episode, you heard a concise recap of the Jamaica Music Conference. Kwasi Bansu, the CEO and, and co-founder of the JMC, kind of took us through day by day and highlighted some of his favorite moments, um, some of the standout. Uh, things that happened. Now we're going to go a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more about his background and what inspired him to start the Jamaica Music Conference. And then the conversation kind of went to our vision um, globally for the future of the music um, right now and, you know, kind of how we see things playing out or how we would pray and, and hope that things would play out. Right. Definitely. And I know last week, um, you know, I said on social media that, you know, this interview has been basically a highlight of, of doing this podcast. You know, what Kwasi is about to get into is really, really stuff that, you know, Khalil and I are very adamant about, very passionate about. So, you know, I'd like all of you guys to listen, ladies and gentlemen, to, um, you know, what Kwasi's vision is for the future and how, you know, we can take this thing to the next level. You know, I really appreciate this brother because, you know, he, he's offering some really solid solutions for issues that, you know, we've been debating about for a long time. Before you continue, I just, uh, you, you had alluded to it earlier, but I just wanted to know a little bit of your background and how the the Jamaican Music uh, Conference had gotten started um, before you continue. All right. I'm going to take you into an uh, audio time machine. Are you ready for that journey? Def definitely. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, I was born in Kingston, Jamaica, at the University of the West Indies. Um, left Jamaica as a baby and went to um, Toronto, Canada where I grew up um, from the age of nine months until, uh, but, you know, growing up uh, in Toronto, we would travel back and forth to Jamaica holiday time, like many people within the diaspora experience, mm -hmm. you know, so we grew up in a house where Sunday, Saturday, reggae music would play when you're cleaning up the house and, you know, you, you're surrounded. My father had a vinyl collection with, Bob Marley, Dennis Brown, Gregory Isaac, 
Burning Spear, you know, you name it. We had um, a lot of vinyl growing up on the record player and everything. So I grew up with a love of Jamaican music, um, hip hop as well, but you know, as especially in uh, from seventh grade going up, reggae music was, you know, uh, dancehall was the predominant. Um, in high school, I started um, as an artist going to different talent shows, um, you know, performing, doing dancehall, doing hip hop, merging the two genres. Um, so that was really my introduction into music. I went, I left Canada in 1996, um, to attend Howard University in Washington, DC. Um, did four years at Howard, graduated in 2000, went to Howard University School of Law in 2000, graduated in 2003. And while at the law school, you know, um, really looking into this thing called intellectual property. Um, so my concentration in law school was entertainment and intellectual property. And it was very fascinating to me because I, I immediately saw the implications of, you know, uh, both real property, which is finite, but is the principle, you know, wealth generation um, tool historically, you know, land was the basis of wealth. But when you have a concept of intellectual property, which is infinite, but still is able to be monetized, you know, to me, it seemed like the solution for the developing world in Jamaica in particular, to rise us out of poverty and to, you know, create us as a Dubai of the Caribbean, where every citizen you know, is, is well off based on our cultural output. So I immediately had this vision. Um, one of my colleagues at the time also had a similar vision. He was of African descent from Sierra Leone. So we started collaborating on different projects um, and we wanted to start a publishing company, a music publishing company. Um, one of the first things that we were tasked to do. He had a client named Jaw Life, who is a famous producer that's based in Brooklyn, New York. He um, was affiliated with Junjo Laws, Volcano, um, the Greensleeves catalog. Um, they had a lot of early Barrington Levy, Carlton Livingston, you know, a lot of those artists, some legendary songs in the catalog. And um, he was representing Jaw Life. And we went up there to help him to organize his catalog. And we quickly realized that within the Jamaican culture, there wasn't a lot of paperwork, you know, to work with. Mm -hmm. um, and this was my first eye opener into the culture of reggae and dancehall and some of the history. Um, and then starting to realize as I dug deeper, you know, because all throughout my journey, um, one thing, I've always been back and forth to Jamaica. So anything I learn while I'm in foreign, you know, I can test it out immediately as I go down. So, you know, I I would go and, and reason with different people in the industry and we found out how many of our legendary artists of old were, you know, not well off. You know what I mean? And 
you hear the stories about people that can't find money for the burial of some iconic musicians and you know it's so players. sad yeah it's very sad and um so this was the eye opener so we determined to start a publishing company to try to deal with reggae dance hall and we had a launch in jamaica this was 2012 and um i was an artist um as well so i did a video launch um and this was at tony's bar in kingston kabaka pyramid performed dre island they were just rising at that time we had some other upcoming artists and things and as part of that launch we did a panel discussion at UWE because you know in, in in my early research we were realizing not a lot of people know about publishing you know mm-hmm. um not a lot of people so we did something about publishing and it was well received uh, my partner at the time was julian hafner he was my colleague that i went to law school with um and i had another partner at the time named cy griffin who um had an independent record label um and he came down and, and was also a part of this whole initiative um so because of how it was so well received we decided we would actually do a conference um you know multiple panels multiple topics so the very next year 2013 the first jamaica music conference was held um we called it navigating prime time navigating the music industry and um it was at edna madley uh we had rory from stone love we had um bob bandy we had protege we had Carolyn Cooper from the University of the West Indies, Ibo Cooper, um, various um, panels. But again, it was very well received. And um, the Jamaica Music Conference was born. Um, my initial partners, you know, they were, uh, one was an attorney, one went to Hollywood and actually became an agent. So they were not able to continue with the, the journey. Um, so I, I really um decided to continue the journey because both of them were not from jamaica either so being the passionate person that i was about bringing the education you know um we had to create another team so we built a team um with some powerful sisters um carice lawrence who um was part of the whole reggae revival. One of the one of the pivotal players who was behind the scenes, you know, serving in, in a variety of roles, working with headline entertainment as well in booking. Um, you know, she was instrumental in that first staging of the Jamaica Music Conference. And one of the things that you quickly realize when you're doing anything in Jamaica is that you really need a powerful team on the ground. You cannot get much done when you are overseas. And I'm based in Washington, D.C., you know, from 96 until now. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, that team was so vital. Um, next year, we had a panelist, Joan Webley. Um, she was the copyright manager for the Jamaica Intellectual Property Organization. Um, in 2015, she would become my business partner as well um as carice and um we also had 
um, Wally King's Entertainment, uh, Wooly Philpotts, who was uh, a promoter here in DC, joined the team as well. Karen Marie Mason, an industry veteran from out of Atlanta, um, right where bop, you bop, are. Bop. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she also um, came on board as, as a team as well. Um, and we've been operating ever since um, 2014. Um, the conference has, you know, we started at the university campuses. Um, the conference has gotten bigger and bigger. 2018, um, you know, we, we had a very good year. That featured Marcia Griffiths was our big one-on-one -on -one interview. Um, and that was very special. I, I actually did that at it. It was one of the highlights of my professional career, being able to sit down with the Queen of Reggae, uh, Marcia, and really get some of that history, ask her some different questions that were not the typical questions. Um, 2019, we decided to really expand and go uh, with our summit series because we'd be doing small uh, panels in different regions, but now we said we really want to go out to the different regions and meet with the stakeholders and map the music industry. Um, because one of the things we realize is that how scattered and fragmented the industry is. So depending on who you know is dependent on your outcome and your experience when engaging with the industry. And now uh, there are all these little silos of activity and that lack of connectivity is really hurting and stagnating a lot of the industries because we have a lot of the skill, a lot of the know-how already is within the industry, but because it's disjointed and disconnected, it's not the, 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 the power and the know-how is not going to where it's needed in order to make the industry thrive. So one of our missions, uh, we've shifted now from just the focus on the conference to creating a network of music industry professionals. So you brothers will definitely be part of this network. Um, we are, you know, expanding it slowly but surely, very organically. And the whole aim is that this will be a global network where you can finally know, you know, what are all of the reggae media, you know, in one place? What are all of the podcasts? Where are all of the venues that are dealing with reggae? Who are the managers? Who are the, you know, the producers? Who are the, the studio owners, sound system owners? You know, we want to catalog all of them. And, you know, we understand that uh, some people might be reluctant to become a part of this network because a lot of our industry is not above board. A lot of it is still on a hustling. But there are many who are holding that professional standard, and that's where we start because what we know is that the success of those of us who are like-minded working together will attract more and more people. You know, and that has really been the story of the Jamaica Music Conference because we started with a very small um, group of awareness until, as you can see with this year, you know, we had diamond selling artist Shaggy on the platform. Um, and that was largely through our partnership with Solid Agency and Sharon Burke, 
who reached out to us this year again, you know, hearing about what we had been doing and uh, through Pandora, who they were in dialogue with, you know, a solid agency reached out to us and we were able to partner uh, to put on this historic 2020 conference. So the JMC effect is very real and it is growing and expanding year to year. And we're very pleased, but we are still seven years in at the beginning of our journey. Mm-hmm. Um, there is tremendous work to be done. For those who doubt the potential, I would tell them to investigate K-pop. Do you guys know the story about K-pop? Well, I know of K-pop. Yeah. I don't know. I know how massive the it story. is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason K-pop is so massive is not by accident. That was government mandate, seeing how foreign culture was impacting their young people and the amount of money with these boy bands were making and all of their young people screaming, they decided to create their own industry and they devoted 5% of their GDP. The government got involved. They crafted all of these bands. They handpicked the musicians, the music, everything, funded it and not only did they reclaim their young people who were now looking at uh, Korean young men as sex symbols and idols, they created a global demand for these bands. So now they have these bands going out and increasing their GDP um, by performing, bringing highlight to their industry um, and literally bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. So K-pop is a story that shows what can be done when energy and focus is put into the creative industry. A lot of times in the Caribbean, we were taught that, you know, you're slacking off if you go into music or the creative industry. They want you to be a doctor or a lawyer or engineer, you know? So we have to change that mindset. The creative industry is a multi-billion dollar industry um, that transcends borders and we just so happen to come from a little island that is universally loved and revered to the four corners of this earth Um, and we are now at a digital crossroads where we must be the owners of this massive inheritance that has been bequeathed to us by our ancestors and now we have to harness this power to create Jamaica as a true cultural superpower that can be a positive impact on the world and like I said every Jamaican citizen and diaspora member should be sharing in this prosperity that can be generated from the efficient use of our cultural capital. It's definitely a huge opportunity. And, you know, when you say K-pop, you know, the thing that comes to mind is that it's pop with a K in front of it. Whereas when you talk Jamaica and reggae music, a we make reggae, you know, a j- reggae mecca, you know, Jamaica, you said, like we make so many genres that came out of the island, you understand? So its potential is even grander than whatever K-pop could do, you know, honestly speaking. And, you know, Jamaica's stock market is roaring now. And now for the first time, I'm starting to see these articles coming out from the major 
record labels in in the U.S. You know, they're happy about the streaming revenue now. They yes. reached that point where they're like, "Oh, it make it then." You know, this is just the beginning in terms of that. So, you know, when you talk about the the beginning, you know, there's definitely a, a road to travel here. But I see the vision, and it's it's definitely a great opportunity that can't be wasted. You notice that these major labels are starting to sign artists again. That's what you have to also be watching. Um, you see Coffee just signed a big deal yeah. um, with an American company in addition to our contract with Columbia UK. And you're going to see a lot more of that. Chensia, I believe, is um, doing some stuff with Interscope. There's a lot that's happening. So keep your eyes open. Um, the companies, the major labels are definitely looking to expand their catalogs and they are not ignorant to dancehall and reggae but again because jamaica's a wild west they're still a little tentative a lot of people have been burnt dealing with reggae or dancehall so but but they're looking and um afrobeats which has taken the dancehall formula you know Modern Afrobeats is dancehall with African stylings. You know, right. you listen to the drum pattern. It's it's straight dancehall. I was just listening to Burn a Boy album. That's all dancehall. You know, but what the Africans have done is that they're really approaching it as a business. And Africa, because Africa has the eyeballs, when you look at the numbers for streaming for Afrobeats on YouTube and other platforms. The Afrobeat artists are are dwarfing the dancehall artists. Um, I mean, Nigeria is 175 million people, so it makes sense. However, what Jamaica has to realize is that Africa is a natural market for Jamaica as well. We just have not been marketing to the continent the way that we should be. And that is one of the things with the Jamaica Music Conference that we've been drilling down for many years. And we're going to continue to really try to be that bridge for the business uh, between Jamaica, which is less than 3 million, and the continent of Africa, which is 1.3 billion right now and growing. So I think Africa provides us that scale that we've always lacked in the Caribbean in terms of eyeballs um, because there are two main monetization models right now and i want your listeners to take out a pen right now to write down these two things so anything that you're doing right now this can be relevant the two um streams are eyeballs which companies use to to do run commercials so think about your facebook think about youtube all these free services that you sub that you use the reason that they're free is because they're using eyeballs or views and they're selling those to advertisers uh, for money so that's one of the major monetization ways the second major monetization model is subscription services so you see youtube uh, spotify pandora all of those have a paid subscription where you can have commercial free content um, and these are the two main models right now in the industry for monetization so africa 
has the eyeballs with 1.3 billion. So this is where we need to be focusing our attention as an island. Traditionally, we've been very hyper-focused on the U.S. market and Mm -hmm. Europe. I would also add South America to that equation. The largest population of African people outside of Africa are the 80 million um, estimated people of African descent in Brazil. And then you have uh, uh, Guyana, you have um, all of these other places where reggae is is uh, a major music form. So South America, Africa, these are places that we need to be looking at. India, uh, which is approaching 1.5 billion, that's a natural market for us to promote. Also China, you know, the Jamaican Chinese have uh, been a part of the music industry since the early days. Mm-hmm. We have a natural connection with China. We need to be focusing some of our marketing there because, again, the eyeballs are there. So this is why you see I say that we're at a digital crossroads because never before in the history of the earth was this direct-to-consumer relationship available. Um, so no matter how much money we feel we lost in reggae and dance all in the past, no matter how much are they hustling and the, you know, the money we used to wash back in the day, the herb money and them thing they used to keep the industry and all of that is gone now. Don't worry about that because this digital revolution now opens 7 billion people of the planet Earth to us. And reggae is the heartbeat. Reggae is that music that inspired the southern part of Africa to rise up against apartheid and throw off those shackles. Reggae is what people listen to to get through the mundane days that they have working nine to five. So we should be very excited as an island about the future. Um, However, we've got to get the business right. Well, based on everything that you're sharing today, I'm ready to book my ticket next year for the <laughs> Jamaica Music Conference. I swear. I mean, if this were a political movement, I'd vote for you in a heartbeat. <laughs> no, no, seriously, Khalil, Khalil knows. I, I'm usually the guy who plays devil's advocate. I'm usually a cynical one about, you know, so many things that you're talking about, you know, getting the business right, getting the legal stuff right, the money right, you know, um, you know, monetizing uh, across a broad spectrum of, of regions, you know, all of these things, you know, I don't know as much as you do, but, you know, I'm usually the cynical one. And I think everything that you're posing today sounds very reasonable and very doable, especially what you just said about, you know, having the direct to consumer market right in front of, uh, in front of your face to be exploited is, is definitely, you know, it's enticing. Yeah. yeah man. The internet, you know, look what we're doing right now with this podcast. We're all in three different places. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yes. this is, this is an exciting time to be alive right now, my brother. You know, we yeah. just need to really harness these tools um, to our benefit and make sure that we are not just producing for others who own, you know, and that is the plantocracy system that we have to now destroy. 
where we're just creating the raw material and somebody else owns the finished product and is reaping while we are just happy to be the creators. No, we want to create and we want to own and we want to work amongst each other. And that doesn't mean that we're going to fight against Cali Roots and what they're doing in California, creating this multi-million dollar reggae industry that doesn't need one Jamaican to show mm-hmm. their face over there. You understand? That's a reality. Definitely, yeah. But um, we want to make sure that they are paying homage is the reggae of Jamaica. And by right, they need to give back to the source, to the Mecca, um, and show that gratitude. Um, same thing in Germany, same thing in China, in France, Japan. All of these um, regions are creating their own indigenous reggae movements that are no longer dependent on Jamaican direct input. They've studied the, the, the history, they know the patterns, and now they are creating you know, independently. And this doesn't have to be a threat. However, we want to make sure that the attribution is there, that they are acknowledging who the creators of this genre are, and that they're paying homage and that they are investing back into the Mecca, into the source to ensure that the root of reggae and this culture that has brought them so much joy is being sustained um, because that is the obligation of everybody who says they love reggae, not just to take from the tree, but to water the roots, to put some soil around the roots, compost, make sure you... <laughs> make the tree feel nice you understand yeah man firmly rooted in 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 good soil fortified with essential vitamins and minerals all them thing there so that is the jmc effect and and that is something that we are hoping to build you know every year our international presence grows so we're inviting all of those regions if you live in germany and if you live in japan china you know come to the JMC effect. This is a great way to meet the who's who in, in reggae and, and to get a proper entry point into the music industry where you can meet with credible people um, and not have to worry about the scam of them um, because you can meet with people who are at the top of the field who have you know extensive track records of, of success and longevity in the industry. Uh, and that is why we're creating this hub um, so definitely, we want to see the Reggae Lover podcast. You guys need to come down, do some interviews there, you know, grab some people. Um, because one of the things that we also recognize and, and what we're building is a content explosion so that, you know, as a media house, you guys can come down and get all of the content, you know, that you want that you could spread over 12 months because you have so much interviews and and clips and, and, and things like that. So we want to make it worth your while. Um, our Media Matters panel featured The Fix, which is an upcoming podcast in Jamaica. Yeah, man. The, Big up those guys. Yeah, number one um, podcast for the uh, millennials in Jamaica. And, you know, they were so honored that we chose them. But, you know, we have our ear to the streets and we've been watching their evolution over the years. You know, those are the types of new media platforms that we want to bring to the forefront and, and, and to give a platform to talk about how they 
um, are structuring their business. You're probably going to have to have an episode to unpack this episode. That's how much <laughs> knowledge you're dropping. I, we appreciate it. No problem. I told I told Khalil I like to chat, so forgive. You know, I, good. I, I, I'm, I'm very passionate, so yeah. I mean, I I can talk about this stuff all day. But it's a pleasure to be on the platform and all of your listeners again. You know, visit us on social media, the JMC Effect. You know, check us out, IG, um, Facebook. Um, we're not too active on Twitter, but we're going to try to change that. The jmceffect.com is the website uh, where you can see a lot of the press, the former years. You can see the panelists. Event schedule will have some video up on there um, shortly as well. Check out our YouTube page, Jamaica Music Conference. We have clips up on there um, already. And just stay tuned, you know, uh, if you want to send us an email, info at jamaicamusicconference.com. Um, let us know. We're getting ready to launch our 2020 music industry directory. And again, the mobile app. So stay tuned for that. Um, we are building. We may be coming to a city near you. So just keep it locked and know that this is not your average conference. This is a movement. Big up to Team GMC, all of the GMC family. Big up to Solid Agency. Big up to Irie Jam. Big up to all of our sponsors, all of our supporters over the years, panelists, the entire GMC family. We look forward to continue to build this, this monumental movement to bring the Jamaican cultural superpower to the world. Definitely. Thank you. And don't be surprised if we, you see see us down there next year. Uh, for sure. And um, you guys should have a booth. We're going to talk. This is uh, just the beginning. <laughs> Blessing to what you all are doing. Very critical to bring the culture to the people. So, you know, it's perfect love. And uh, we look forward to what you all are doing. You know what I mean? Thank you for all of the w- words of wisdom and the inspiration. And, you know, listeners of uh, Regular Lover Worldwide, you know, make sure that you follow and check out the JMC Effect. We need everybody to sign on, you know, no question. Check the box. We, we are part of the movement. <laughs> yes, sir. That, yo, that was great. That was just amazing. Definitely. You know, and I, I mean it when I say that, you know, this is a movement that I could get behind. Shout out to Kwasi and the entire JMC, you know, family, his entire team. You know, this is this is definitely an organization that's needed in the reggae and Caribbean community. Yeah, man. And like I was saying at the top of this show, um, as I was talking about some of John Nine's movements, you know, taking it to Africa and touring different countries there, you know, definitely... I see the whole, you know, as a matter of fact, this podcast is listened to very heavily in places like Kenya, South Africa, you know what I'm saying, Nigeria in particular, uh, all over Africa. Gambia. So, yeah, man, big up to everybody in in all of Africa and all the African people around the world, you know what I'm saying? Everyone that is inspired to leave a comment or to post a share or share a link or to leave a review please do so we love to hear from you and we love to see that please email reggaeloverpodcast at gmail.com shouts to everybody who's hit up the you know different social accounts and 
given a, a word of encouragement and a vote of confidence and a thumbs up. I'm saying definitely appreciate, love that. And this is a dedication to you, the regular lover. Yeah, man. Big up, everybody. Until next week, we out. For booking of Highlander Sound, 404-552-0492 or email reggaeloverpodcast at gmail.com. Visit Highlander Sound on the web at reggaelover.com. Follow at H-I-G-H-L-A-N-D-A on Twitter. Follow at K-A-H-L-I-L-W-O-N-D-A on Instagram. And like Facebook.com slash Highlander Music for more information. So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. I tell you what, I was listening to an audio book about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm -hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Steffens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations and these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Peter Bunny, the incidents that happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there, I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover, and there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things, but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car. If I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley.